I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 22nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined by Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Thank you to Brandon Marcello for filling in yesterday. On the Monday recap show, I was traveling, Chris, and I'm back in Nashville where it feels like fall. And we were talking before we pressed record. And the the slate that we're looking at for what we're calling week four also kind of feels like fall. And it really does feel like college football, after what could be described as a sleepy first few weeks, is about to be in a full sprint. Yeah, we, we have real legitimate like interesting college football games. No offense to the first three weeks. There were certainly some really exciting moments there. Watching De'Eric King light it up at Miami has been a highlight. Louisiana upsetting Iowa State was a lot of fun, but like the SEC is back this week. And say what you will about the conference, say what you will about kind of the um, fan base that comes there and the expectations they have for their conference every year. Like the SEC is the lifeblood of college football as we know it. And to have them back in the mix And those games occurring this weekend just makes the slate even better. I can't wait to hear Gary Danielson on a Saturday afternoon on CBS. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it just, it really feels like the season's about to get started right now. And we're out of preseason mode, which is awesome to see. Yeah. And it, like, it's not, it's not just the SEC, but it mostly is. But we've also got the Big 12 is going to start playing each other. Um, The ACC has already been doing that. And the results have been, Sort of compelling. Yeah. Miami versus Louisville, you know, Wake Forest versus NC State. Clemson hasn't really played anybody yet. But even this weekend, like Florida State's going to play Miami. It just it just feels really good. And you, there's so many games that and, and then you like the Big Ten is going to get going too. And we know that now. You wrote about that in overtime uh, on Saturday, College Football Overtime. You wrote about how ex- this was kind of just. This was just the preseason, as if you will, and, and Saturday with the Big Ten schedule release might have been the best part of the day. Um, but like when we're looking at this slate, it feels like we're. I'm predicting a little bit of chaos. I don't think that Alabama is going to lose to Missouri. No. I don't think that Georgia is going to lose to Arkansas. Not even Texas A and M, which has lost, uh, you know, one or two, two or three veteran opt-outs yeah, Jamon Osmond, Anthony Hines, uh, two starters, yeah. a wide receiver and linebacker for sure. Yeah, they, they've lost their opt-outs, but that's not going to matter in week one against Vanderbilt. But Tennessee, South Carolina is pretty intriguing. Those are two teams that would really love to win that game Saturday night. Uh, Tennessee's favored by three and a half. And then LSU, Mississippi State, you mentioned CBS. That's the afternoon game. LSU's a 16-point favorite. But it's hard to know what to expect from from the Tigers, the defending national titles. They lost so much. Uh, national champions, uh, they lost so much. But I think the two best SEC games are Florida versus Ole Miss and then Kentucky versus Auburn. Auburn's a 10.5-point favorite over Kentucky. Florida's a 14.5-point favorite over Lane Kiffin 
It's Ole Miss Rebels. I I want I wonder if we're gonna have an outright upset in one of those two games because it kind of feels like we're due for something like that. Man, if if Kentucky was playing at home, I'd be I'd be sorely tempted to pick them straight up over Auburn. Auburn is a team in the top 10 with all the talent in the world, but I feel like I have more questions about Auburn coming into the season than any other kind of, I guess you consider them a fringe contender, but when you consider that they're replacing almost their entire offensive line, almost their entire defensive line, Bo Nix was extremely shaky last year against ranked competition, which is what Kentucky is right now. They're the number 23 team in the country. Bo Nix completed less than 50% of his passes in those situations. You got to put all those things together with playing a really, really well-coached Kentucky team uh, with Mark Stoops. Um, They have an excellent defense as always. Kentucky's offensive line is one of the best in the country. And with the return of Terry Wilson, uh, we don't have to see kind of that wildcat full-time offense that we saw last year, which was such fun with Lynn Bowden or Bowden. But Kentucky's going to have a real offensive system this year again. And I think when you put all that together, Kentucky's a team I really think has a great chance to upset Auburn straight up. I'm not I'm not quite as high on Ole Miss over Florida. I think Ole Miss is being undervalued uh, coming in. I think the coaches around that program are very excited about what they're going to put forth, and there's a lot of talent. That was underutilized the last couple of years with Matt Luke. But I think Florida's just a little bit better than Ole Miss at this point. And I don't know if that one's going to be as close, but both games are really intriguing when you kind of look at the schedule for sure. I just, it's the chaos factor of, of Lane Kiffin is, I, is kind of why that game's catching my eye. He's going to come out and, you know, he's got a quarterback battle that we don't really know the answer to quite yet. Uh, John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral. Is he going to use John Rice Plumley as receiver? Like, what's Jerry and Ely going to do? You know, and, and both those coaches have been so coy. It took until Monday for Dan Mullen to even release a roster. Shout out to Dan Mullen. So, yeah, finally, man. Um, but like, I think Lane Kiffin versus Dan Mullen is kind of a. It just feels like a really petty matchup. Well, it's too, it's and so too, I think there's going to be some trickery. It's two of the best troll coaches in college football, without question. Right. Nobody's Twitter troll game is as strong as Lane Kiffin's. But um, Dan Mullen has a history, whether it's kind of tweaking Florida a little bit or slipping a uh, little troll in a press conference. He's one of the best out there. So you're right; that could be a really fun matchup. Are you worried about the Big Twelve as we kind of shift gears and look at Week Four because? What if the entire conference sucks? <laughs> <laughs> I, like like Kansas State versus Oklahoma State. OU's a 30-point favorite. Well, Chris Kleinman's on the Big 12 teleconference this morning saying he's hoping they can field a 53-man roster for Saturday. No way. So, yeah, it's 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 bad up there in um, I'm the Little Apple uh, with COVID stuff. So there's no guarantee Kansas State's even ready to go on Saturday at this point. And to expect them to compete with Oklahoma is probably not very likely. But I, I think you were going to get into the point of like how weak the conference looks behind o- Oklahoma and Texas. And I completely agree. Although today the news came out that Max Duggan is cleared at TCU. And I can't tell you how important that is for the Horn Frogs. I think TCU probably has the best defense in the Big 12 without much question. Certainly the best secondary. And they're, they usually tend to reload up front. Um, so if you can have competent quarterback play, given how skilled they are at receiver and at running back, I think TCU is potentially a team that can not necessarily, I mean, maybe they could spoil in the big 12, but they're a team that can cause people a lot of problems. And Iowa state TCU this weekend is going to be a pretty good indication for both programs of what we're going to see the rest of the year. 
And that's, that's a game that um, I'm just really excited about that. I'll be watching that split screen with Kentucky Auburn uh, when it starts an hour later. Yeah. Cause TCU hasn't played yet. Nope. And, and Iowa state really needs to win that game. It's in Fort worth. Iowa state's a three point favorite. And then, you know, Baylor hasn't played yet either, but they're going to play Kansas. You'd assume that goes pretty well. Um, but like, uh, I don't know it. Oklahoma state struggles and they barely beat Tulsa. We didn't get a chance to talk about that this week and we won't spend time on that, but there's holes there on the offensive line. Spencer Sanders, they they're, they're going to hope he's healthy in time to play West Virginia on Saturday, but we might have a, a, a two team conference here in Texas and Oklahoma. And you mentioned Max Duggan, TCU getting him back gives them just enough potential to screw up one of those two teams of seasons. So I, I think the big 12 is going to be, uh, I think it's going to kind of chop itself up the rest of the fall. Um, and then like the ACC, as we kind of polish off the, the other, you know, the remaining power five conferences, Clemson's off. Um, Duke, Virginia is you know, Virginia's first game. Duke is 0 2, looks horrible against Boston College. Louisville versus Pittsburgh, top 25 game that people would not really know is a top 25 game. And then, you know, Florida State, Miami. Uh, Mike Norvell has COVID 19, so he won't be there. Um, but game day will. It'll be at, at Hard Rock Stadium. Miami's an 11 point favorite. By the, by the way, I just want to say Louisville still being ranked after that. Just abysmal defensive performance against Miami is a testament to how diluted the field is right now and how good it's going to be to have the sec and the big 10 eventually back in this mix. Cause Louisville has no business being the number 24 team in the country, given the way that defense busted at times against Miami on Saturday. I just want to point that out. Like that offense is a lot of fun, but there's a lot of chaos factors involved with Louisville given the way that defense played. Yeah. I mean, the AP top 25 is not really an impressive group right now. And I'm, I'm looking at the poll. Um, uh, Boise State finally did not receive votes this week, <laughs> but they did last week. Uh, and the Mountain West is not playing college football yet this fall, so that kind of goes to show you, you know, how much people are really paying attention. But like, if I mean, Chris, you mentioned the diluted part, like others receiving votes, and then first team off the board is Baylor, which again has not played yet. So keep ba- Baylor with um, Baylor with. Two returning defensive starters and essentially lost their head coach and both coordinators in the offseason and hasn't played a snap yet, partially due to COVID-19 concerns on their roster. So, yes, it's very diluted, to say the least. The College Football Daily will be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I want to ask you about um, Miami, Florida State, and then we're going to talk a little bit about like the quality of play um, and the whole canceling games on Friday issue that college football has been facing the last few weeks, and then, then we'll get out of here. But is Miami for real, do you think, maybe finally? I don't, I don't know if I would slap that back tag on it. I think in 2017, we had this conversation a lot, um, just as a general college football community, 
when Mark Rick made that run. What did they start the season? 10 and 0 that year, right? Before getting smacked. Something like that. Very lucky. All and that, then they yeah. lost to Pittsburgh and then they lost to Clemson in back to back weeks and they got blown out in the bowl game and they were definitely not back at that point. I think this team is a little different. I just, when you have a quarterback like Jared King, like he covers up for so much. That offensive line at Miami is better this year, but it's not good. I would hesitate to even say it's average at this point, given how often they have to use their two tight ends, Brevin Jordan, Will Mallory as blockers inside. Part of that scheme related with Rhett Lashley, but like the fact remains like they have to have their tight ends in line to protect Derek King. But given what he can do off schedule and given the accuracy he's shown early in the year, he hasn't been helped by drops. I think Mark Pope might lead the country in drops right now. He had to have at least have four or five the first two weeks. Like you just have to, you have to give Miami a chance in every game. And you didn't always feel that way the last couple of years with their quarterback play, especially last year was better, but 2018 was just with Malik Rogier and I believe Nikozi Perry just going back and forth. They completed less than 50% of their passes as a team in 2018. And Derek King is such a breath of fresh air from that perspective from Miami that you just have to respect them week to week. And I think the big difference is like Louisville scored on Miami's defense on Saturday. Like in the past, it felt like Miami's defense had to pitch a shutout or close to it to win games. And that's no longer the case. And when you have the baseline talent that Miami has probably top 15, most talented team in the country, like that gives you a chance every week, especially in a league like the ACC where um, outside of maybe Clemson, like Miami's going to be more talented than everybody week to week. So and that way, I do think Miami's back. I don't think Miami's a national title contender right now. But I think Manny Diaz, with while bringing in De'Aaron King, has really transformed his program in a short amount of time. The I really wish Miami and Notre Dame were playing. Me too. This regular season. Because I that's that would just be such a contrasting matchup. Of Notre Dame just wants to bully you and Miami, you know, can run the ball, but it can also break for you, break you for some explosive plays. Cause I think they, they really could be in the mix to be the second best team in the ACC. I, I, they sh- they part of me wonders like, and I know Brian Kelly was never going to do this, but how good Notre Dame would be if it had a guy like Derek King on its roster right now at quarterback, like Derek King. I I've been a, what do you mean? They're never going to do it. Like they, they they've tried, they've trotted out a few. Okay. Quarterbacks. Like they had to Sean Kaiser then they've, no, no, they've no, tried, no. they've tried things with guys who like Brandon Wimbush was supposed to be that sort of threat. Oh, I didn't say never. I just said, think of how good they could be if they made that aggressive move in the transfer portal to get a guy like Derek ah, King, ah. a guy who can change the program. Like Ian books is a very good quarterback. He's not a guy in my opinion, who's probably going to win you a national championship. Derek was that guy. Manny Diaz swung and missed last year on Tate Martell. We all know how that worked out, but like he tried it again this year and he got his guy and like one season from De'Aaron King can really alter your program. And I, I just wonder if uh, we're going to see that at Notre Dame at quarterback in the next couple of years. It might be um, Tyler. I'm blanking on his last name right now. Kid from California. Uh, Buckner. Buckner. Yeah. yeah high four-star passer. Maybe he's the guy of the future, but I just think Notre Dame's kind of missing that piece along with some explosiveness at wide receiver right now. Yeah, Notre Dame's been going heavy on the tight end front, which is kind of fun and a reverse engineering of, of football's progression, but I, I think it'll work for them in most of their games. Um, have you have you enjoyed college football Saturdays so far this fall? Like, has has the action been... All right, I, I don't want to, like, lead you down <laughs> a, a trail. <clears throat> I I mean, it's been college football, man, so, like, I, I'm yeah, glad no, to no, have no, it. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm just... 
Maybe I'm just ready for like the more marquee matchups, but I, I, just... I will say, was there any temptation for me on Saturday to flip to the Stanley Cup Finals with my Dallas Stars playing? Yes, like would that normally be there on a Saturday? Like probably not. Like with excellent matchups, but I mean, it's like it's still been fun. Like I will, I do miss the days when at two thirty we had three different really important yes. games going on at the same time. We just haven't had that yet it's right now it's like one decent game at two thirty and two junk games no offense to the teams playing at two thirty, but I, I i think that's the thing yeah. i think it's i think the beauty in college football that we that i think we all recognize was you could flip around and find 10 different games on at once and one of those is going to be close at the end um because yeah. the in the nfl most of your games are going to kind of come down to the finish and, and you know you watch that early morning slate on red zone and it, it's crazy in college football you kind of get that too if you have enough teams playing, but there's there's been there's been so much ugly football, um, and so many blowouts. I think we're still waiting for our first classic game of the season. I'm hoping we get that, but I think something about not having all those games because even even with the the Big Ten sideline so far in the Pac-12, we've still had plenty of games postponed and canceled. Um, come Friday of, of each game week, I believe something like thirty percent of all scheduled games. Um, including conferences who are playing have not gone off as scheduled. So I think that's just been a massive bummer and it leaves a hole in a schedule and, and it makes that it, it means that, Hey, your Georgia tech UCF game, like that better end up being good or else I'm kind of walking through the wilderness for four hours. Yeah, no doubt there. And um, I think we had the big 10 announcement at 11 or at 10 AM essentially on Fox. And that was supposed to lead into Baylor Houston, which would have been a really fun Texas based game. Uh, probably a lot of scoring in that game. Uh, two pretty contrasting styles between Dave Aranda and Daniel Holgerson. But that game was canceled at the last minute, and Dana Holgerson spoke up pretty uh, pretty loudly this weekend. He wasn't really happy with the amount of time Houston or the amount of heads up Baylor gave Houston in terms of canceling it. But that's just an example. Yeah, they were there. Like Houston was yeah, there. Yeah, that's. I mean, not a far drive, but still. I mean, still, yeah, it's like. It's like an hour and a half, but like you've got your whole team on a bus. You're getting ready to play a football game. The rugs pulled out from under you. Like that's not easy. It's demoralizing yeah. to have to get on that bus and drive back. Yeah, no doubt. And like, it's, it's demoralizing as a fan. Like you don't get these games and I, we're going to like, I don't want to ruin anybody's day, but we're going to get more of these cancellations uh, as the season goes on. Um, it's going to be a story throughout. It's not going away, but as the schedule kind of fills out a little bit. I think it's going to, the effect of it's not going to be felt quite as much from a fan's perspective, because there's going to be that brevity of college football action that we have. And I think the great thing about college football every week, at least for me, is it, is it feels like March madness almost every weekend. I know not every game's close, but March madness is not always close, but it feels like no matter what time slot you turn on, you can find a really interesting and compelling game. And moving forward, I think we'll come closer to approaching that, especially as these teams kind of sort of get out of preseason mode, because that's another factor in all this. It's just sloppy football. These teams haven't had time to practice the way they normally would. Do you think the uh, the conference's 53-man rule, um, as far as you can't cancel a game unless you don't meet those 53-man thresholds where you have a quarterback, enough offensive linemen, blah, 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 that's probably going to lead to less cancellations, right? Because... The ones that have been Houston versus Baylor, that's not a Big 12 game. So Baylor can feel at liberty to cancel that. Whereas if Baylor was playing TCU, like I don't know what Baylor's COVID numbers exactly were, but if they if they were able to field a 53-man roster, they would have had to play. Well, I, Now, I, that doesn't mean there's going to be great football on the field, but... I, 
I would think that means less cancellations are going to be in the cards the next few weeks. It should be, but I would say that as I understand from like a couple of people I talked to, both TCU and Baylor situations, they were not really meeting the Big 12 suggested threshold. Not for the entire roster, but for a specific position group that was important and kind of part of that. So from that perspective, I think those games still had a chance to be canceled when you get to conference play. Um, I think it's much harder for the big 12 to cancel a game than it would be maybe the sec because the sec's rule is 53 scholarship football players and under a nightmare scenario i can see that happening a lot more easily than losing 50 than having less than 53 total players on your roster but i tend to agree we're going to see this less happen. we're going to see this happen less often in conference play but i still would expect it to pop up a couple times during the year for sure i think the big 10's mitigation efforts are much more interesting with the percentage base of the roster i believe it's seven and a half and it gets canceled like and that's not seven and a half positivity that's seven and a half available so we're talking contact tracing and quarantine there if the big te- i can see that kind of being a problem down the line as well but as testing evolves maybe some of these contact tracing issues won't be um, as big of a concern moving forward. Right. And the Big Ten will have daily testing, which should mitigate your contact tracing. And, you know, I don't know. So I'm, I'm ho- like Fridays have been as both someone who works in I, college media and someone who like just wants to watch it out of, you know, it's like it, it's a day sort of uh, fraught with anxiety. <laughs> I mean, like, I hope I hope the games I really want to watch aren't the ones that get canceled today. Yeah, and I think contract tracing will be interesting. Um, I don't think daily testing necessarily mitigates it, as I've been told. It certainly makes it easier, though, because when you're doing daily contact tracing, the steps you have to track for a player and who they've been around are much less than it would be. Like if you tested a player on Wednesday and um, he had been positive since Monday, essentially you have to trace that player's steps for 48 hours as opposed to maybe like 16 on the other end. So that should certainly help. But yeah, Friday... (laughs) Friday is supposed to be kind of a calm day on the college football schedule. And now it's just kind of fraught with anticipation because you're ready to kind of get that all clear from whatever team you follow that they're going to be ready to play over the weekend. And in a lot of cases, uh, you don't really know until much later because some of the testing that schools do gets back in a different amount of time. Some schools don't find out until Saturday morning. Others will find out the same day on Friday night. And it's just, it's a stressful time for coaches for sure. Like, Coaches are creatures of habit. They want to know exactly what's going on. And in a lot of cases, their depth chart's kind of up into the air until hours before kickoff, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, this won't be a, this is not a typical Tuesday episode for us, but, you know, I think it was needed that we sort of not only recap whatever week three was, but really look forward to week four and beyond. And, and a lot of good college football and a lot more fun, I think, is on the horizon and, and hopefully a lot less of the uh, the tough stuff that have made 2020 like the worst year ever. But uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Tani Levitt, for putting this thing together. We ran a little long today, but that's all right. Uh, the rest of the week on the College Football Daily, I'm going to spend most of the time previewing the SEC. So, you know, hopefully you won't be in the Apple comments section like flaming that we only cover one conference but it is you know the conference that comes back this week and so i want to talk florida i want to talk alabama got a few true freshmen on his depth chart worth discussing but anyway we'll cover will that anderson is going to be so week. good yes. folks so good he is unbelievable if you can go watch this huddle tape from high school his first step 
is insane. Sorry, I had to interject there. No, I'm glad you did. Uh, he's going to start at the Jack linebacker position. He'll, he'll be coming off the edge. Will Anderson, like number five in the top two, four, seven rankings. And he's going to be a freak. Um, maybe Bryce Young. Bryce Young will get on the field against Missouri. Too, I was, so. I was sorry. It's be a just fun a weekend. quick, quick thing. I was sitting next to Hank South who covers Alabama recruiting at the all American bowl. And I was talking up, um, Will Anderson's future teammate who plays at Den Ryan high school, who's uh, Will Anderson's backup at the Jack. And I was saying, there's no way Will Anderson is better. And then Hank puts on Will Anderson's film. And it took me two plays to just understand why guys like Charles power are freaking out about Will Anderson, because his first step is just so insanely fast. Just the way he gets to the quarterback is unreal. And I, I just encourage everybody to watch him because he's going to be a lot of fun at Alabama the next couple of years. Yeah, well, the guy you mentioned, Drew Sanders, is going to play a lot too. But uh, Will Anderson probably will be Alabama's best edge rusher since Tim Williams. So can't wait to watch that. But anyway, Chris, uh, thanks, for, for, thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to everybody on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.